Yo, what's the deal, everybody? It's your boy So So. Uh, welcome to another episode of Sports with So So. Today we're gonna go over the Heat finals run. We're gonna go over the Marlins' great season. We're gonna see what's up with the EPL across the pond, and we're also gonna talk some Hurricanes football. Let's go. Heartbreak is real, y'all. The heartbreak is real. It's your boy So So. Welcome back to Sports with So So podcast. Um, y'all know I'm a diehard Heat fan. Y'all know I'm a diehard Heat fan. And I'm not gonna lie, this loss hurts. You know, this loss hurts. Um, it sucks that we didn't have our full squad to go out for the fight and go out there and really face the Lakers. You know, Bam getting hurt in game one really killed us, and Drogic getting hurt in game one definitely definitely changed the outlook and outcome of this series um but first things first shout out to the lakers you know what i mean um they won they persevered uh, and they're champions you know can't take back uh anything away from those guys they did what they had to do you know gotta play through injuries gotta play through bs gotta play through being in, stuck in a bubble in orlando away from family friends normal things um and they did that so Shout out to the Lakers. That's where it ends. Um, all that extra love from LeBron. Oh, we want our respect. Frank Vogel wants his respect. Get that crap out of here. That's not something that somebody in his position, I feel like, should be even commenting on, right? Because everybody respects LeBron. Not everybody likes LeBron, but there's no way that there's a real basketball fan, not a Lakers fan, a Heat fan, Knicks fan, whatever. A real basketball fan doesn't pay respects to the greatness that the man has shown over the years. You know, we forget that this guy's 35-year-old man doing it since he was 18. You know, got to respect that guy. So I didn't really understand that, but whatever. That's his whole thing. I'm sure he's making his own documentary about it and doing the thing in L.A. and whatnot. Um, We're going to focus more on the heat a little bit um, since we are a... Uh, hometown team podcast right we root for all the pretty much for all the home teams we gotta really stand back and look at this heat season and applaud what these guys did um the team that pot put together uh really some people didn't give it a lot of love and people were doubting it but these guys found a way to kind of put all the pieces together at various points throughout the season and really come together to make a hell of a run. And that's what we did, man. We made a hell of a run. You know, when you think back to how we did in the conference finals, we lost one game to the Bucks. We lost one game to the Sixers. We swept the Pacers. You know, we showed that this team can be really capable of great things, right? The future is extremely bright. You look at kids like Bam, Young as hell. Uh, Tyler Hero's a baby. Duncan is a young kid. You know, we have young talent mixed with the veterans, the Drogics, the Jimmys, the Jay Crowders, the Iggy's. We had a squad of, of guys that knew what it was about to be a Heat player and really bring home that Heat culture. You know, a lot of people were talking about it throughout, uh, throughout the runs of the playoff 
oh, he cultured this, he cultured that. Is it really real? Obviously, it's real because we've been able to do more, right, than other franchises have been able to do with less. And we always find a way to make it about something. You know, I heard something crazy the other day where in the 17 years or, or so that Spoh's been affiliated with the Heat, meaning working for the Heat or being an assistant coach or whatever or being the head coach, we've only had three losing seasons. Think about that. Three real losing seasons, you know. One of them we witnessed here mostly because we were all like, damn, we got weighed and now we suck. You know, he got hurt. Blase, blase, we end up with the number two pick, Beasley, y'all know the rest. But there's only been three years of, like, really, really mediocre Heat teams. You know, and this team, I think, is going to go down as one of the greatest. It's going to go down as one of the greatest Heat teams ever assembled, even though they didn't win the championship. You know, they did a lot of things against all odds. They did a lot of things that people were not going to give them the credit for, and they still don't. Um, mainly Jimmy Butler, right? We saw what type of dog Jimmy Butler really is. A lot of people said that he didn't want to play and he wanted to retire and he wasn't going to win and blah, 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 blah. The narrative continues about Jimmy Butler because he didn't fit the mold of those other franchises. But look how much he has excelled here, right? One season, um... Starts by giving a ton of confidence to the rest of the players on the team. Knowing damn well that he doesn't have any other superstars. No real quote-unquote number two guy on the team. A lot of potential. A lot of veterans. But no real clear-cut number two guy. Right? He starts off the season and just doesn't have those games where it's like, Jimmy's not even putting up 30 points. What the hell? This roster is like blank. It's full of people that don't belong on the court with Jimmy and they're not going to do any good. But in all reality, Jimmy, when we look back, Jimmy was building those guys up to be better for the day that he needs them to be like, all right, now I need you. You need to come through with these 10, 20 points, whatever the case may be. Hit this big three, make this big stop, whatever the case. Jimmy really led the team more than in points and stuff like that, the stats. He led the team. That team surrounded itself around Jimmy and was like, whatever you say, we're going to follow because we know that you're going to bring real effort and you're going to treat us like equals and we're going to fight. And that's what that team did, man. That team fought, fought the whole playoffs. Can nobody say anything negative about this Heat team? And can nobody say anything negative about Jimmy Butler? You know, he was the outright leader in points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks in the NBA Finals for the Heat. Oh, you've heard that before. That's right, because another guy did it in 2016, LeBron James. Come on. Those are the only two people to ever do that. That's what type of level, you know, Jimmy Butler was playing at. He was playing at, at a LeBron level, you know, very encouraging for Heat fans. I'm sure Pat and the magician Andy are going to make some moves with this team, right? Um, do we resign Crowder? What do we do with Drogic? Uh, some moves. We got moves to make, but we got good moves to make. And we got moves that don't need to be rushed. Why? Because the blueprint is there. The foundation is there. And these guys know that they can get to this level, NBA championship level. I only expect Hero to get better. I only expect uh, Bam to get better and really start to gel and really 
turn it up with Jimmy Butler and hopefully with Drogic there and see what the rest of the team does. Because we know that we have moves to make and moves not to make. We can always stand pat, you know, but as of right now, Heat fan, Heat Nation, stand up, applaud this team. Um, remember them for as long as you can because it, it really was one of the greatest efforts that we've ever seen by a Heat team. And we've seen some pretty nasty Heat teams. And this was a really, really great team, fun team, man. Sucks that we lost to the Lakers. Sucks that we lose to LeBron. Um, but we made it. You know, and not a lot of people can say that they made it. Uh, a lot of teams were projected to be better than us. And we showed physically and on the stat sheets that they weren't better than us. We beat them. We made it to the finals against all odds. But next year is going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. I'm sure I was reading today on Twitter. They already have Brooklyn ahead of us. They have Philadelphia ahead of us again. They have the Bucks ahead of us, which is all fine and dandy because we know that this team led by Jimmy Butler is going to be driven by that type of outside noise. Um, and they're really going to turn it up next year. I, I see really good things for us. Next topic I wanted to touch on was the English Premier League. Um, I know a lot of you guys don't watch too much soccer, but now is the time to get invested in that, man. We got like eight or nine USA players that are playing at the highest level that they could possibly play. And no, I'm not talking about MLS. I'm talking about teams like Barcelona, where they have two American players. I'm talking about teams like Juventus, Chelsea, um, even Manchester City. We have our goalie there and learning from Pep. U USA is starting to put their imprint on the English Premier League, and it, as an American, it's great to see that. And as an English Premier League fan, it's even better to see because now when I watch games, European games, Champions League games that are going to be coming up, I have a more rooted interest, um, I guess, bias towards watching the, the, the match, right, and rooting for individuals, not so much for teams because you guys know I'm Chelsea till I die. I actually bought a blue high Leah hat. The other day because Chelsea Blue, you know. But besides all that, shout out to Empire. The EPL is really starting to kick ass. And if you guys wake up early on a weekend like I do, you probably have kids and they want to get up early and you want something to watch. Watch the English Premier League, man, because right now it's really competitive. You got teams like Everton, Aston Villa, Leicester City, um, Tottenham, Leeds United. All of these teams top 10 teams and they're normally either bottom feeders or they're middle of the pack teams um james the colombian international gets to everton and makes an immediate impact has like four goals three assists for that team and is in every single big play that they've had so far this season um with aston villa they just gave liverpool a nasty thumping 7-0 when was the last time you saw a liverpool getting spanked b liverpool getting shut out c by a team that is as bad as been Aston Villa. You know, they, they're they not a, a team that you would look at and be like, all right, yeah, they, they may not have a good game against Liverpool. It happens. But these guys are bottom feeders, traditional middle-of-the-pack teams. Um, that just goes to show you that, A, the amount of t games that these guys have played uh, due to COVID being, you know, a big pain in the ass, really setting almost like pausing the season, and then having an immediate restart where you're packing all these games into like a period of a month and a half in order to get not only leagues done, but Champions League, Europa Leagues, and get all that stuff situated before the new season started. Um, it was a lot. These soccer players have had to deal with something 
that most athletes are not used to. And all athletes, I feel, across sports are, are having to deal with that situation because of that. Um, but with the EPL itself, now I kind of I feel like it levels the playing field because now everybody has had the most amount of games and everybody's played the same and they've had people out because of COVID and brought back into training and now you have international duty. It just makes it more level, I guess, amongst all the other teams, which makes it easier for a viewer, especially a casual viewer, to turn on the TV and watch the EPO, right? Because you'll see teams like Everton winning. You'll see teams like Arsenal coming back and winning and seeing like, man, you know, this team I've never heard of, but the guys that they're playing, I've heard of, and they're giving them a good game. Um, Namely, Leeds United, right? We all know that they have a famous... Uh, head coach they're in charge but nobody really expected them to come out of the gate and be as impressive as they've had for them to have two wins a draw having played a team like Liverpool in the first game then playing a team like Manchester City and tying with them beating a team like Fulham beating a team like Sheffield United those are guys that you would look at and be like well man the roles are usually reversed there where those teams, the Sheffields, the Fulhams, are beating up on the newcomers like Leeds United. But that hasn't been the case. Um, even a team like Chelsea, we've we've gone down and had to battle for points, right? We whooped on C- Crystal Palace for zip. That's all great. But right before that, we tie and we lose in the Carabao Cup against Tottenham. We tie a game against West Brom, which would have been, again, a bottom feeder club. But here they are playing to the same level as Chelsea on any given day. It's going to be tough this year for the EPO. I don't think there's, we're going to see any one team dominate like we've had in the recent years because I feel like footballing is catching up. Um, young players don't want to wait their turn to get playing time, so they're willing to go wherever. Um, we've seen the, the cash going in and out of these middle of the pack teams where they make good business deals and are using that money to actually build a team, which makes it more competitive. And again, the the level of soccer that we're watching is not your old style, boring soccer where games are ending 0-0-1-0. No, it's this new league of soccer that we're watching right now in the EPL is all about excitement, all about action, and all about goal scoring. So you're gonna see a lot of games where it's four to two, Three to one, three to three, five to four, something like that in the EPO, which is not something that they've been known for. Um, it's going to be quite interesting. This next round of matchups uh, this weekend is going to be particularly trying because everybody's coming back from international break, which means they played at least one to two games for their international team which just adds to more games to your schedule, right? You go from playing from your international team on a Tuesday, Wednesday, and then having them to suit up for a match on Saturday morning. Not the greatest of turns, but everybody's doing it. In the English Premier League, we actually got a pretty good matchup. We have Everton playing Liverpool. We have Manchester City at Arsenal. And we're also going to see Manchester United face off against Newcastle United, which has also spent money into the team and have actually gotten results. So this weekend is going to be probably a good weekend for anybody who's not uh, EPL top six fan, um, casual fan. Go watch some some soccer this weekend. You won't be disappointed. Um, for my Miami people, shout out to all my Miami people, um, especially my three 
friends that are Marlins fans, die hard. Um, kudos to you and your team, right? I say that because, yes, everybody in Miami is a Marlins fan, right? But not everybody gives them the time and effort. Um, a lot of people should have watched this team because they are young and they're talented and they're fun. They don't take themselves seriously. Um, they know that they're willing and able to not go only go out there and play winning baseball, but have a good time doing it. We have really good pitching prospects. We have like two or three really good uh, fielding prospects. And the Marlins making the playoffs after losing 105 games. Yes, that's 1-0-5. And making the playoffs the next year, albeit a so short season, which is probably even harder, in my opinion, is amazing for any real Marlins fan, right? Or anybody that's interested with the team at all. Because that shows you that there's some type of promise to this team. Derek Jeter wasn't bullshitting us, right? Everybody had real doubts about Derek Jeter joining the Marlins, taking over, and running the club like he did. Especially with the moves that he made as soon as he got here. A lot of changes. Almost like a tyrant just coming in and kicking ass. Taking names, changing whatever he wanted, trading players. Didn't matter to him. Now we get to see... The dust has settled, right? He knocked down everything. The dust settled, and now we see what we have, which is a pretty good foundation of a young baseball team which can compete in the near future. Not in the long future, like, hey, seven years from now, this team is really going to be something. That's whack. Nobody's going to want to wait for that. Nobody will wait for that. But Derek Jeter is really trying to make this team win as much as possible as soon as possible which is different from having like a 10-year plan, seven-year plan. No, this is kind of like the Miami Heat style. Hey, we know what we have, and we're willing to improve it every year, and we're willing to make whatever move necessary in order to keep the winning going, right? The only difference is the Heat have always kept their word when it comes to that type of, um, let's say, financial management of assets, right? The Marlins, on the other hand, have never had that. They've never shown the Marlins fans base that type of structure, that type of stability, right? Now, I think Derek Jeter is actually putting the things in place to do that. I wouldn't be surprised to see an uptick, not a huge one, but an uptick in season ticket sales for next year. Why? Because you're going to want to go see Sixto pitch. You're going to want to go see Alacantara pitch. You're going to want to see all those guys that we have in the farm system Get their chance, come out and do their thing, and actually stay on the team. I don't see us trading away that young talent anymore, unless, of course, it's, man, uh, it has to be an MVP-type caliber player, right? Which is, again, will only happen if the, the, the team is at the cusp of winning, right? Because you only make those moves when you feel like you real got a real chance at winning. Not at making the playoffs, at winning the championship, winning that, that, that pennant. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Marlins in that position, let's say two years from now. Really happy about this season and how it turned out for the guy. Gotta admit, I didn't watch a lot of baseball. A lot of you guys didn't watch baseball because guess what? People don't watch baseball. But it was nice to see the Marlins in the playoffs. It was nice to see their names being mentioned on ESPN and having their little stories shown and whatnot. It was cool to see. I hope to see more of it in the future. Uh, let's turnover to a team that actually has maybe a little bit more promise than the Marlins, which is your Miami Hurricanes football team. 
Now, take this with a grain of salt, maybe a little bit more than a grain of salt. That UM team that we know we have did not show up Saturday against Clemson, right? And that much was evident. Clemson came out and they done what they've done to us the last two times we meet we met them. They bullied us and they showed us that we're not as big as they are on the offensive and defensive line. Point blank. Point blank. Now that doesn't mean that this UM team is fake or a facade or not as good as they can be. Not saying that at all. But we're definitely not on the level of a Clemson, of an Alabama. Pretty much a top four, top five team that will play for a national championship at some point this year. We're not at that level. We knew we weren't going to be at that level. It was nice to kind of have those aspirations, right, with King coming in to be the quarterback and having the talent that we do at running back. But at the same time, we can't get too far ahead of ourselves. And we got to remember that there is a process to this, right? Um, that loss was ugly, man. 42 to 17, just straight up dominated every single aspect that you can think of. We only had as a team, 18 yard, 89 yards of rushing. Okay. Let me give you an example of how bad that was. Tra uh, Travis Etienne, the running back, right. Who's probably going to be a top 10 pick, top 15 pick in the draft. My man had 149 yards by himself. Which means he outran and the entire UM team and also had more pass in rushing yards, just yards in itself, had more yards than De'Aaron King. That's not the level that UM is at. We're not at that level. We're good. We can beat a lot of other teams, right? We saw Florida lose. Um, they're not that real good team like they were being made out to be. SEC is really tight this year. ACC, not so much, right? But that that puts UM probably in the best position of the other th two Miami, uh, Florida schools, which is Florida, right, and FSU. You got to say that UM is definitely ahead of those two schools whenever it comes to football right now. Because A, we have probably more talent, right? We have a better coaching system in place. And... Where you're probably closer to being back, quote unquote, than those other teams. Now, some people can say, oh, well, Florida never went anywhere. Bullshit. That team has had its up and downs. They've had coaches leave. They've had star players get in trouble. They've been a mess. Now is when they're starting to see the fruits of their labor in the last two years. But even still, they're not as great as they perceive themselves to be. They We definitely knew just like us, that they're not top five material. Why? Because top five material means you got to go out there and beat LSU handily. You got to go out there and beat Alabama. We know that Florida couldn't do that. Now, again, the SEC is a little bit more competitive, but we know that Florida wouldn't end up in one of those, like I said earlier, top four, top five spots in order to play for a national championship because they're just like us. They're starting to put it together. FSU, I feel bad for because... They do have talent in the in the pipeline, but their their coaching situation is not as established as Florida or or UM. So they're they're having a real hard time to put it all together. Um, 
So out of the three schools, probably Florida and UM are closer to quote-unquote being back. But it takes a real fan to realize, hey, we're not as good as we, we think we are. That ranking was great and fun to see. But it's not a true indication of how good we are at the moment. Now, maybe we can reach that level. Or we, and even this season, where we end up as a top 10 team, number 7 in the nation, number 8 in the nation, and look back and be like, damn, you know, that was the beginning of how we crept into the top 5, crept into the top 4, and we're in consideration for that winning of the national championship. But for right now, at this moment, we're still not back yet. We have a lot to improve on. Um... The defense has to play better. We, you know, Bolden showed a lot of heart. Kid played through getting cut and being knocked down and having to make tough tackles over and over and over again. And, and I feel like him and the rest of the defense are going to learn from that. It was a pretty one-sided victory for Clemson, um, but it was bound to happen. You know, Miami has to dust the dirt off their shoulders, you know, look forward to the next game against Pitt and really focus on putting in a good performance on that um but that's pretty much what i wanted to cover with you guys man uh, it was a rough couple of weeks week and a half right of riding the emotional roller coaster of what it is to be a heat fan and a chelsea fan um not gonna lie it probably added a couple of gray hairs to the top of my head but that's okay that's what sports are for right if you can't be stressed with your teams winning and losing there's no fun in that i like to have fun uh thank you guys for tuning in get talk to you guys pretty soon and hopefully have more content and more information for you guys on some other moves that i'm trying to make with the podcast for now thank you for listening be safe peace